0: good morning church you know what i I was driving in this morning and I, i looked out and i saw that beautiful covering of snow and then i got here and i was talking to steve and he said he was looking at the golf course and that that snow was covering it it was just so gorgeous and every time i see a fresh fallen snow i think of god's righteousness covering me Covering my imperfections, you know that fresh coat of snow covers all the imperfections that are on the ground And and that's what that, that that snow reminded me of this morning So I'm just thankful to be here, I'm thankful to to be saved, I'm thankful to be a part of his kingdom I'm thankful to be a part of this community um, if, if, For those of you who I, I haven't had the, the chance to meet, my name is Scott Troutwine and I have the privilege of teaching today So we really want God to speak, Right? yeah amen so let's let's ask him to do that we? so father right now i pray um, there's not a doubt in my mind that there are people that you want to speak to today there are hearts that you want to touch there are, are lives that you want to change through your word and so father i pray that your word would do the work that it's meant to do and your holy spirit would speak the words in jesus name amen Amen. So we're in this series called Mirrors. Mirrors reflect things. And, and if you've, you've been to any of the past messages, you might remember that Pastor Scott has this mirror that he always p- picks up and looks at. And what does he say? I look tired, I look tired right? Okay. But mirrors reflect. And, and what we're trying to accomplish in this series is to um, stir up within us How do we reflect the image of God? Because if you also remember that mirror, Pastor Scott took a hammer and just smacked it and cracked it into a bunch of pieces, and that brings distortion. So we are made in the image of God. Therefore, we are reflecting His image in some form or fashion all the time. Believers and non-believers, but non-believers and believers in process have a distorted reflection many times. And, and so we're trying to say and look and say, what's a true reflection of the image of God? So, so let's just kind of remember that that as we go forth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the, the passage that we're kicking off this series on, and that's Galatians 5.22. And it's, of course, the fruit of the Spirit passage. But it says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such, there is no law. Against such, there is no law. And and I think that phrase is kind of a key phrase. If if we look back at the end of Galatians 4, uh, we see that Paul is urging the Galatian church, the Galatian Christians, to choose freedom offered in Christ versus the law, rather than enslaving themselves to trying to achieve freedom enslaving themselves to the law. And that theme out of Galatians 4 then carries over into Galatians 5, the first half of Galatians 5. And and that then culminates in this verse, in, in what we're talking about today, mirrors the reflection of God's image. The contrast between freedom in Christ and slavery continues to be one of Paul's major thrusts, through the first half of Galatians 5. He goes so far in verse 2 to say that if the Galatians persisted in their attempts to follow the Old Testament law, then Christ would have no benefit for them. That's pretty heavy. If they persisted trying to follow the law, specifically in this case the law of circumcision, then Christ, the, the, the the uh, sacrifice that he gave, the righteousness that he offers, would have no benefit. So what Paul was trying to do, he wanted them to understand that the more they pursued righteousness in their own attempts, their own actions, trying to to, to try harder to be better, the more they would actually alienate themselves from the righteousness of Christ. So that's the first half of chapter 5. The second half of the chapter then contains a contrast between the life lived through the flesh and a life lived through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this leads into the discussion of works and acts of the flesh in verse 19, which talks about where they at. The acts of the sinful nature are what? Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, on and on and on and on it goes. They're nothing more than a reflection of that broken, sinful nature. They're reflecting the image of that broken human nature and in contrast to that is the fruit of the spirit which we're looking at in this series that singular fruit the spirit producing these fruits these these fruits in our lives as we die to self and live to Christ that is a reflection of God's image a reflection of God's character through the holy spirit who lives in us so that's a little background i, I want to share a story i like stories do you like stories Okay, I don't look tired, but I like stories. All right, so um, some of you know my mom passed away in July. It's not a bad thing. She was 89. On, on her birthday, she, she passed. That was kind of cool. All the kids were there. I'm a kid to her. <laughs> Isn't that neat? I like that. I'm, I'm a kid to her. That's cool. Anyway, she passed away. Uh, she transitioned into, into the arms of the father. Um, but as people do, there, there was this outpouring of love and compassion. And one of the things that people did is they gave us plants in memory of, of my mom. And some of those plants even came from people in this congregation. And I want to tell you, those of you who gave those plants, they're doing very well. They're growing, okay? They're doing very well. However, there was a plant that my office gave me, and it's called a money tree. And, and I, I had a picture. I don't know if it, if it got put into the situation. Yeah, that's it. That's the money tree. This plant originated in China, um, Not really sure exactly how, but the the legend that seems to carry the most weight is there was a truck driver in Taiwan who needed more money. So he decided to take trees and braid the trunks together into this money tree plant. And the history of it is it's supposed to, you know, help you and bring prosperity and this kind of stuff, and don't get me started on that, but... As I looked at this, you can see how the the trunks are intertwined, and I thought, what a perfect picture of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and me intertwined to produce something beautiful, intertwined to reflect the image of God. Now, this plant, we were killing it. No, I mean we were killing it. It it was dying. It was, it was not doing well. The leaves were rotting and turning yellow. And we watered it. We put it in the sun. We watered it some more. All the things you're supposed to do, right? Yeah. And it was just wasting away. So we thought we, we need to kind of do some research. So we did some research. And we found out that it thrives in areas of humidity with 50% or more. That's not our house in Colorado. And it thrives in low Sunlight, <laughs> and we had it right in the window, okay, so we moved it to a table in our bedroom, right next to hum- to a humidifier that runs twenty four seven and it is thriving i 'm happy to tell you it 's doing very well. it only needed the right climate as i 've listened to this the current series that we 're in, and as i 've prepared this this message on kindness. I found myself looking at what I was doing, and I was trying to achieve joy, peace, patience, kindness i, I, I was I, I was finding myself disciplining my life to adapt my behavior to be a nicer person, to be more patient, to be more loving, to be more kind it 's not a bad thing, but but what God really just struck me upside the head with (laughs) this week, and I know Pastor Scott probably had a a cow because it was early this week, and I said, hey, I've got to throw my whole message out and start over again. He goes, "Ah!" I know that. That fruit is not mine to bear. It's the Holy Spirit that dwells within me that produces that fruit. So I found myself saying then, is what do I need in order to find myself and place myself in a climate to thrive? If I put myself in a climate to thrive, I'm going to produce. God's going to produce. The Holy Spirit's going to produce fruit through me versus me trying to do it myself. You see the difference? Working from outside, trying to adapt versus just thriving because we're in the right climate and the Holy Spirit just naturally produces these things in our lives. Yes? You with me? No? You're not? Yes? Yes? Okay, you're awake. Good. So how do we bear this fruit? I think one of the, the key verses in bearing fruit throughout Scripture is John twelve twenty four. Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Jesus taught his followers to die to self, to die to the sinful nature, and allow his new, new life to spring forth, bringing with it much fruit fruit. And part of the fruit of the Spirit is this fruit that we're talking about. And Jesus not only said that. That's what I love about Jesus. Jesus is a great teacher. He didn't just say it. He modeled it. Remember the prayer in Gethsemane? Father God, please nah. I don't want to do this. I don't want this in my life. But nevertheless, not my will. Your will. So the fruit of the Spirit develops as a result of the Holy Spirit's presence at Working in the lives of maturing, sanctifying believers as we continue that growth process in that climate to thrive. You know, for a time I can change my behavior but it doesn't last because it's not who I am. But if I'm thriving in the right climate and God's changing my life from the inside out, then it's no longer me trying to do something. It's just a natural outflow of the Spirit in my life. And that's what That's what we want to make sure that that is understood in this series. Does this make sense? Okay, It's a reflection of who we are, not who we want to be, not what we're trying to be, but who we really are. We need to get this. It's all about abiding in Him, in His Word, in prayer, being involved in a community of believers. This puts us then in that climate to thrive. I think it was Paul who said, for me to live is Christ. So, it's a bit of a backdrop. I know it's a little long-winded. Bear with me. I'm sometimes long-winded, right? It's a gift we all have. And Brian, thanks for opening for me, by the way. You did an awesome job. Yeah. So <laughs> we're, we're going to look at kindness. Now, I'm not sure that I've ever met a person who wouldn't like to have more kindness. Uh, you know, in our society, people generally agree that more kindness would be a better thing than not. Um, but what is kindness? I mean, what exactly is it? Where does it come from? What does it do? Definitions of the word usually associate it with being friendly, being generous, being considerate. All good things. Nothing wrong with that. And, and that's helpful. But does it, does it really depict the full nature of what kindness looks like biblically? So today we're going to look at four things that the Bible reveals about kindness rooted in Christ, which I think gives the term some real needed substance. And then we're going to look at four action points. So that's where we're going today. The first is kindness is powerful. And that should be on the notes that you can write down. Kindness is powerful. Titus 3, 3-4 through 4 says, "...for we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice, envy, hated by others, and hating one another." But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. So let's, let's consider what Paul is claiming here. First, he's saying we were foolish. Yes. Then he's saying we were disobedient. Yeah. We followed others who took us astray. And not only this, but we spent all of our time or much of it wishing we had what others had and being angry at them for having it. Other people hated us and, you know, we, we returned the favor. I don't know about you, but if I met a person that was like that today, I'd possibly say I think they've gone way, way too far. I don't think they can ever be restored to a good person because they're hateful, they're, they're, they're mean, they're envious, they're jealous. And then everything shifts as Paul writes, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appear, and just like that, I can't snap my finger, just like that All these evils were overshadowed by the great kindness and mercy of God. Kindness, I think, kind of like meekness, gets confused for passivity and ineffectiveness. But scripture would say otherwise it is a tool of God's power. When the kindness of the Lord appeared, it shifted everything. That's power, that's powerful. Who wouldn't want to reflect that image of the power of God? As a child of God, I want to reflect that image when I go into a situation. I want his kindness to be reflected in my life that brings change into somebody's life. Amen? Second, kindness prepares for repentance. Romans 2.4 says, Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience? Not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead to to repentance. So so we see that kindness has significant power. And that power is not, look, and hear this right, okay? That power is is not simply to make us feel better about ourselves. Uh, Hear what I'm saying. I'm okay with feeling good about myself. I like to feel good about myself. So be nice to me. Be kind to me. But that's not the only thing kindness is for. The power of kindness really in scripture is seeing how it leads people to repentance. How it leads people back to reflecting the proper image of God. How it leads people back to restoring their their, um, relationships with one another. So remember the next time that someone makes you angry, which I might do before the day is over. And you want to know how they—you want them to know how much they hurt you—and you want them to never do that again. I don't know about you, but when I'm in this position, I usually use a different tool than kindness, like maybe coldness, spite, gossip, maybe even a smack. I don't know. Got to be with my size. You have to be real careful with that last one. Okay, I'm just saying, um, because. To myself, I'm thinking, if I'm kind to this person who's been mean to me, that's just going to encourage that behavior. Because that's kind of proper thinking, right? Yet scripture tells us that God uses kindness to lead us into repentance. So why would I not want to reflect this kindness that may lead someone to him? To me, that's like a no-brainer. God, allow that to be a reflection of my life. A reflection of you, a reflection of your kindness that brings people into repentance. The third is kindness can hurt. Kindness can hurt. Psalms 141.5 says, let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Hmm. Let him rebuke me. <clears throat> it is oil, <clears throat> excuse me, oil for my head. I'm not sure about you, but when I, when I think of actions associated with kindness, I, I, I kind of think of a hug or a listening ear, or a nice smile. I don't normally think of a strike. But, but Psalms put those two words together. When someone speaks a hard truth into our lives, it can sometimes hurt. It can feel like, wow, I've just been betrayed. Um, they don't understand where I'm at. They don't understand me anymore, or they're looking down on me. In the moment, you can't see why they would say that. And it just sometimes feels like an aimless, unprompted attack. And yet, because God uses us, right? Iron sharpening, iron men, right? What sometimes seems like maybe an attack, maybe a compassionate gesture, pushing us back towards fixing our eyes on Christ. And once our eyes are on him, we can kind of look back on that and say, wow, I wasn't really in the best place. I was kind of in a bad place. But thanks to, and I won't speak any names, but you know, there's been some of you who have done this to me, that kind strike, I find myself back, pushing back into the presence of Christ. So reflecting the image of God's kindness can bring, can bring restoration to people. And the fourth is kindness brings honor. Proverbs 21, 21 says, Whoever pursues righteousness and kindness will find life, righteousness, and honor. Again, kindness, I think, sometimes carries a connotation of insignificance. um, Maybe even failure in today's world, in in the society we live in. It it might seem like it's kind of a nice ideal, but if we really want to make a difference, if we really want to be important, if we really want to climb the ladder of success in, in our world, we can't just do that. We can't be kind all the time, right? Well, first of all, that's not true. We've already seen that kindness is powerful. It, it can change a person's life. It can, get, it can restore them back to the presence of Christ. It can bring repentance to them. So we know that it has power. But secondly, it is slightly true. It really is. The world promises certain honors, certain things which may be missed if we're just a nice kind person throughout our life. But but as Christians, we're called to strive for a greater honor than what this world offers, right? We're called to imitate Christ who suffered for us, who was kind to us. And that resulted in imperishable honor for him, seated at the right hand of the Father. And it results in imperishable honor for us as we spend eternity worshiping our God. Oh, happy day! Oh, anyway. Um, That's a great song, by the way. So there's a great honor waiting for those who pursue kindness. So those are four, I believe, biblical concepts of kindness that I, I think sometimes... We don't think of when we think of kindness. Now we want to look at four action points, <clears throat> four action points that, it, that that we can take out of here today, to say, okay, God, I really, really do want that mirror to reflect your image. I want to reflect your kindness to those around me. So how do we do that? Again, the first thing we do is get in the right climate, allow that Holy Spirit to produce that work out of us. So how to reflect this kindness? Colossians 3.12 says, As God's chosen people, clothe yourself with compassion, with kindness, with humility, with gentleness and patience. The first action point is be sensitive. Be sensitive to your surroundings. Philippians 2.4 says, Each of you should not look only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Now, for some of you, that's, that's really easy. That's not so easy for me. Um, for those of you who know me, I am a very task-oriented person. You give me a task, you give me something to do, and then just get out of my way because I'm, I'm going to get that done. And you know, if you're over here hurting, I really don't care. That's who I am. I've got a task to do. It's not a good character. Okay, that's not the reflection of the image of God that I want to portray. So oh, Holy Spirit, work that in me. But that's who I am in my in myself. But we need to be sensitive to those around us. Look for opportunities to show kindness. Look for those things. Don't just blindly go through life with blinders on. just this tunnel vision. This is where I'm headed, right here. But open those, those blinders. Take those blinders off and, and be sensitive to your surroundings. Everybody that you meet has or is or will be going through tough times, be going through things that are hurtful, family members that are not in good places, family members that aren't saved, relationships that are severed or fractured. That's, that's out there. So be very sensitive to our surroundings as we walk through this, this life. The second action point is be supportive of what you say And how you say things. Be supportive. Proverbs 15, 4 says, Kind words bring life, but cruel words crush your spirit. Hold it! You just told me kindness is a strike. And now you're saying cruel words shouldn't be spoken. What is it? Strikes that God gives us to bring people back and restore people or move people into better places, are constructive. Typically, I believe most of them are God-breathed. It's like, but Lord, you want me to speak this into his life? Yeah, he needs to hear this. This is talking about cruel words. Cruel words are just cruel words. They want to tear down. They want to destroy. They're not constructive. They don't want to build up. They don't want to be, they don't want to see somebody moved into a better place. They want to see somebody ripped down and destroyed. So cruel words, words, excuse me, will crush your spirit. Be supportive of those around you. Pastor Scott gave this phrase to me, <coughs> said it to me, and I really I, I, I like it. Uh, if God gave a dollar for every kind word you spoke, if every kind word you spoke, God gave you a dollar. And then for every mean, cruel word you spoke. He took a dollar away. Would you be rich? Or would you be poor? Okay? Or maybe mediocre. But it's, it's one of those thoughts, you know, that's, that's one of those kind, or those, those short little pithy thoughts that Pastor Scott's so good at, that you can walk out of here with and think of. You know, next time, you know, I, I get mad at somebody and I speak a cruel word, it's like, oh, there just went a dollar. Right? Because money, money talks. <laughs> no. Uh, anyway. Be supportive with, with what you say and, and how you say things to people. The third action point is be sympathetic. Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Do I show enthusiasm about things that friends and family are being blessed with? So if I have, and I don't, okay, but if, if I have a really good friend who who is just blessed with a half million dollars out of nowhere, would I be, wow, God, thank you for doing that for them. You are such an awesome God. Thank you for blessing them. Or would I be, oh, why them? What's so good about them, God? I'm here. Are they going to share? rejoice. Don't be envious, don't be jealous if if somebody gets blessed with something. Man, rejoice with those who rejoice. And and that's really, you know, take it for what it's worth. Okay. And mourn with those who mourn. This is a big one. Mourn with those who mourn. I've got a He's a friend, but he was he was also my pastor, and I, I worked side side by side with him for many years. His name's Todd, um, and uh, he's actually he's very instrumental of who I am today. So you could either say, "Hey, thanks, Todd," or "Todd, you could have done so much better." Um, but Todd has a daughter named Tori. And she's a sweet, sweet, sweet girl. She's actually in Thailand on a missionary journey right now. But but. Tori's had physical problems her whole life. I won't go into all the details, but I mean, her spine's basically a titanium rod. She, she's had brain bleeds, just all sorts of things. And Pastor Todd, now this is a denomination where, you know, we prayed for divine healing on a regular basis, and, and Pastor Todd struggled with that. Why won't you heal my daughter? How am I supposed to pray and have faith to heal somebody if, if my own daughter is, is suffering? But um, Pastor Todd writes some articles. He wrote an article a few weeks ago, and he was talking about a time when Tori was in the ICU with a brain bleed. And Todd and Sherry, his wife, were, were in the waiting room, and, and they, were, you know, they were praying, but they were, they were de- dejected. They were like sad. They were almost upset. They'd, they were just, what do we do? You know, you, you can just, their heads were bowed, and they were just like, they were broken. And he said he looked up, and there was two hands holding styrofoam cups of coffee, one for Todd, one for Sherry, a simple act of kindness. Now, 10 years later in his article, he writes that he really doesn't remember much about that emergency room visit except for those two cups of coffee, those two acts of kindness. And in his article, he said, I wonder if those hands had nail prints. An act of kindness, mourn with those who mourn. And I'll tell you, Todd's also a coffee connoisseur, so I know he wasn't thinking about how great the coffee was, right? Mourn with those who mourn. The fifth and last action point is be searching for kindness opportunities, be aware of your surroundings. Galatians 6.10 says, As we have the opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. Be searching for kindness opportunities. This takes me back. I did a, uh, a study with, um, that Dr. Henry Blackaby uh, put out. I did it a couple times several years ago. But, but one of the things, not, not but one, the key thing I got out of this study, and it stays with me to this day, is God is always working. He's always doing something 24-7 all around us. What we're to do is look to see where God is working and say, God, how can I be involved? How can I be involved? How can you use me? We sang that last song, and it was so, so appropriate. God, if you can use me, you can use anybody. And guess what? He can use you. He can use each one of you in here. Because it's through his power. It's through him. It's not of, of your own. It's through him. So, so look. Be looking. Be, be saying, God, I know you're working. I, I mean, I know, God, you're working right here today. When we stand up to go out today, God, you're working right here today. What are you doing? How can I be involved? Who should I pray with? Who should I touch? Who should I hug? Who should I make sure doesn't go to lunch alone? Let me reflect your kindness today, even now, as we walk out of these doors. So when should I be kind? (laughs) When the opportunity arises. If there's an opportunity, through the power of God, be kind. And whenever I see a need that I can meet, if there's a need and I have the ability to, to meet it, I should reflect His kindness and meet those needs. But God, I won't be able to get that caramel, chocolate, macchiato thing if I give $10 to this person or whatever. You know what I'm saying, right? For me to live is Christ. We we die to self, live to him, put ourselves in that climate to thrive. If, if, if nothing else, make sure that you get that. Put yourself in a climate to thrive so the fruits that we're talking about can be produced in your life. Let's pray. So Father, I pray first and foremost that, that you would, would show each of us How to be in that climate to thrive What do we need to do To be In a place where you can Produce your fruit through us And reflect your image In a more perfect way Allow the Holy Spirit within us To use us Even as the song we sang Said if you can use me And God I know you can You can use anybody And help us to when we find ourselves in those situations where we're struggling, but I want this, but I should do this, to say, God, what's your will? Not mine, but yours. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.